1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today. You guys are pro athletes. You know, these guys have been playing this game a long time, and, and ultimately it's going to be up to them. You know so they say they
2: say they can go that means they can go and we have to trust them and we really leave it up to them we know that there was some sort of a, a type of injury but we leave it up to them and those guys when they say they're
3: going they're, they're going we're back with more of the bet Rivers online sportsbook pregame show on sports radio 670 the score with Molly Patrick Manley and Anthony Heron brought to you by bet Rivers online sportsbook official sports book of the Chicago Bears download the bet Rivers online sportsbook app today
2: oh yes indeed we are back it is the pre-game show and uh, that's the voice of Matt Eberflus. and that created a little bit of a stir because as we all know Jalen Johnson battling an oblique injury uh, was um, on the field and you know he, he was struggling the whole game he really had a hard time. But and we when he was asked about it, well, he didn't talk after the game. But then he he came on the score to do his uh, his uh, paid appearance. Let's be honest uh, with uh, with uh, Parkins and Spiegel, and it's a great great segment. They have a lot of fun together, and it's uh, always enjoyable. But he said that the injury impacted him uh, from the uh, the beginning of the game all the way through. And uh, and I think if you watch the play at the end where I. I forgot the receiver's name, Kennedy. He, mm-hmm. the, I think the guy was a lacrosse player. And not that there's anything wrong with lacrosse. I'm just saying he ended up uh, making a 44-yard reception that turned the game at the end, right? The Bears are – they got uh, their opponent pinned on the nine-yard line. The Lions are on their own nine, and they got march to march the length of the field to score a touchdown in that 44-yard connection where – I don't know what was going on. It looked like, uh, frankly, that uh, that um, he wasn't moving his feet correctly. That that there was just an issue with form. And I don't know if your oblique uh, affects your uh, your feet, but that that connection to uh, to a kind of who's that guy? Let's Google that guy. Receiver really impacted <laughs> the game. And uh, obviously, they came back and scored and won the game by a point. Um, but. Jalen, it's weird because the coach wasn't offering him an excuse in any way, which is very – that's the NFL. If you choose to play, then you're healthy. No one's looking at you and saying, you know, he's got the oblique. You know, he's got an ingrown toenail. I don't know if anyone's aware. And oblique is a serious injury. I'm not Mm -hmm. making fun of it. I'm just saying, if you play, then you're going to get called out if you don't play well.
4: That's what it comes down to, you know. I I don't think that. I don't think Matt Eberflus said anything wrong initially when he was asked about it, and he he did address it again later in the week just to to clean it up a bit because I, I, I suppose because you know some of us questioning it and discussing it uh, took I'm, I'm using the royal us because I certainly had zero right. problem with it, but there were some who thought perhaps he was he was a bit callous in his in his delivery of that message. I, I was on with speaks on Monday, so I had a chance to talk to. Jalen Johnson about it then, and you know I said it directly to Jalen. He, he didn't necessarily take any issue with it or, or um, you know, sort of you know disregard Ibrahimovic's uh, tone on it. He, he did say, "Yeah, I wasn't myself. I, I still expect to play it a, at a really high level." But in the end, that, that's just that's life in the NFL, and there there is a delicate balance of you, you know you want your doctors and your training staff. Obviously, you have to have a deep role in when players take the field and the players themselves are a big part of that communication also. But then when you're out there, like, you know, Cages act like it's it's cool to give up pass plays because the oblique is, is an issue or is strained. And uh, I would imagine Jalen Johnson is still not 100% at this point, but he had not been on the injury report in days because he seems to be wanting to sort of put this to bed. I hope he's 100%, but it would be hard to believe at this mm-hmm. point in the, the at this deep – into the season, but you know, I that unless the guy's just dragging his leg around or something like that, you know, I, I don't look at this as being a, a big issue that he shouldn't be on the field. And if he's out there, yes, you are expected to perform when this this discussion has been had beforehand, and there, there is certainly a recognition internally, I'm sure, if, if there is something that limits him a little bit. But when asked directly about it, I don't expect any football coach to say anything differently than. He was in coverage. We expected him to make that play. On the right. whole, as Jalen Johnson said to me and Speaks on Monday, he didn't have some terrible game. But, yes, there were a couple of pass plays that he gave up in coverage that we're not accustomed to seeing him give up. But, frankly, a lot of folks haven't even been willing to target Jalen Johnson this season. Right. So he's been tested a bit more lately, and he's come up on the right side of it more often than not. But last week he did give up a couple of pass plays.
5: Yeah, and they were critical pass plays. And I think yeah. one thing, too, with having a, young, a new staff and these players, players and coaches, they got to figure each other out, too. They've got to learn trust with each other of really how injured you are, how injured can you play, what level can you play at when you're injured. And this is something that that's going to develop with this coaching staff and these players that are here. And this is this is one that just you know reared its head, unfortunately, that he did give up two big plays to didn't lose the game, but to help lose the game, and you're one of the better players. So it's just going to take time for these coaches and players to understand each other, the training staff as well with these players, the team doctors with these players, to understand that Every player wants to play with the Ranger. I'd say most of them do. That's just the nature of of the beast of who we are, that you want to play, you want to get out there. You don't like other people taking your reps. You don't Mm -hmm. like other people sliding in and and taking your spot. But then the coaches and trainers also have to understand these players and be like, no, you could actually hurt the team. I'm not saying that Jalen Johnson is is that example. Uh, Just there could be other ones that, no, we have to sit you down this game. You are not up to the level of your backup, or you can hurt this team when we put you out there. Just an example I gave this week on the radio is, I tore my MCL, missed a game, hated watching somebody else long snap. I'm like, how does a game go without me out there? Well, come on, ego. <laughs> get over it. It um, so the next week, I'm like, I want to get out there. I want to play. And I remember Dr. Bowen sitting me down. He's like, you're not medically healthy enough. You can hardly move. You do not need to be out there. And I'm like, oh, I can do it. He's like, no, you cannot play this week. And I look back on it now. I was angry at that moment, but I look back on it now. He was right. He was 100% right. I would have gone out there, hurt the team, would have maybe hurt myself more. And I know that's just the little position of being a long snapper, but those are the relationships that I had built with Dr. Bowen and our training staff and our coaches over the years that, okay, I trusted them as well. They held me back from myself from hurting the team, and that's just something that will develop with these players, the trainers, coaches, and doctors.
4: To foreshadow a little bit, Molly, it's not not vital as of today, but I do see the potential for – Jalen Johnson, because he, he's one of these guys. Like I, I don't remember if I mentioned his name in the previous segment when I was talking about just draft picks that, that I got excited about when Ryan yep. Pace drafted them, but I, like he was Jalen Johnson was one of the guys I was tweeting about before the draft, going into that draft cycle, hoping that he'd be a guy like, maybe, this is a first-round talent as a cover corner, maybe if he falls into the second round, the Bears might have a chance at him, and then it worked out that way. Right. Uh, yeah, I called a bunch of his games at Utah, and I was so excited for him to join up with the Bears, and, and he's been exactly what what I hoped he would be for the Bears. That being said, part of what he's been has been a guy who's magnificent in coverage, that doesn't necessarily make a lot of a lot of plays on the ball. He's more of a mm-hmm. pass deflections are great. He's not necessarily a takeaway magnet. The the reason I bring that up is from a foreshadowing perspective. We just came out of this situation with Roquan Smith, where yep. the Bears ended up trading Roquan away because he is obviously an exceptional football player. But he wants to get paid, apparently, at a status that the Bears weren't willing to go to, so he gets traded away. Now, Jalen Johnson is another player who Ryan Poles did not draft, hmm. who is a high level player, obviously, you know, is amongst the best in the business. But statistically, he's not one of these takeaway magnets as a corner. Now, guys don't target him, and you can track that, so you can break down the film. And you can say people aren't throwing at him, and that's great to know on film. But at least as far as a data point that's going to be something that seems, that feels congruent, Jalen Johnson statistically is not going to be someone who can walk into Ryan Poles' office and say, look at all these interceptions I got, or I'm leading the league in pass breakups this season, and we just saw Roquan go through that. So I'm I'm going to be rather yeah. intrigued just how this ends up playing out with Jalen Johnson because yeah, Jay- he is one of the yeah. best corners in football.
2: And, and as a guy who's not a first-round draft pick, he signs a four-year deal, not yeah. a five-year mm. deal. So you're absolutely right, Anthony. They'll have a decision to make on paying him or not. And there was a Andrew Brandt is a, is a former uh, executive uh, in um, Green Bay. He wrote a really interesting story about the Bears and about the amount of money they're paying – and uh, the amount of money they're not paying on their roster this year. And, frankly, um, I think perhaps that explains how this defense has fallen off the, the ledge. I mean, you know, they, they, the highest paid players for the most part, other than Eddie Jackson, have been kind of taken off that defense. And, and we talked about, you know, the, the I mean, I know that uh, Eddie Goldman is no longer in the NFL. He did retire I hope the Bears, like, sign him to a one-day deal so he can retire his back. Because <laughs> he arguably did that two years before he left. Oh, that's just uh. mean. That, that is so mean. <laughs> I apologize. But but he's on the books of, uh, of Atlanta, and he, he's uh, he's a guy that is an example of what you thought was a really good draft pick that just didn't work out because of whatever the reason. So I think – That's one of the things to keep an eye on is how they go about. Do they want to pay players that are here? I mean, who, and and other than Jalen Johnson, there's not a ton. And then meanwhile, you trade Roquan and Jack Sanborn comes in and I don't, I'm not, I'm not anywhere near the crowd. I thought Roquan was a hell of a player. I'm not telling you that that, that this guy fits the system better. And I've heard all that stuff to me it's he is a guy that has some really good instincts obviously not a top end speed guy or he would have been drafted but we've seen him he had 12 tackles last week he had two sacks last week uh, and he and he would have had the game-winning interception had it not been called back on a really bad penalty against uh, Jalen Johnson of all people so I I wonder why and Anthony you can you can answer this why can't Defensive lineman be great pass rush. Is it because you're playing in space as a linebacker? Is it because, you you know, whatever your skill set – why can't they get anything out of that defensive line? Why aren't the guys – they're churning the roster. Taco Charlton was, was signed off the New Orleans practice squad this week. Um, why can't they get anybody sacking the, the football? Why can't they get any kind of uh, – I mean, they literally – I think Jaquan Brisker still leads them in sacks with three, and second on the yeah. team is Roquan with two and a half.
4: <laughs> yeah, you don't have any of your current uh, and in some cases former defensive linemen who are who are making the type of impact you would like on the opposing quarterback. And I mean, just to put it simply, they're they're just they're not good pass rushers not yet. Right. You know, you see flashes right. from certain guys, but in the end, who's really affecting the pocket and? You know, when you trade away Robert Quinn, it's not like Robert Quinn was the Robert Quinn of 2021 so far this season, but he would affect the quarterback. He he would get around the corner and force the quarterback to have to climb the pocket, and I'm not even consistently seeing Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson. They're not even getting to the point where they're at least running the hoop effectively and forcing the opposing quarterback to step up into the pocket. I want to see more commitment to turning the corner, from these Bears' edge rushers when Travis Gibson, because he's certainly flashed, and there's times where he'll make a nice move and you think, okay, maybe we got something here, and then there's other times where you just don't see that very consistently. But that's kind of life in the NFL. It's one A lot of guys, like to the point Brian Fennerman made with us a little bit earlier, a lot of guys have the physical traits to be high-level players. Consistency at this level of play is so hard to achieve, and then it's so hard to sustain and so Travis Gibson has the physical traits to be a, a good pass rusher, but you know we only see it every few weeks where, where we see a game where it looks like he makes a couple of plays in doing that, and especially when you transition from being a spot-duty player, a third-down situational pass rusher, to now, you're expected to bring it, to diagnose it, to sustain the energy for it, snap in and snap out. It's a hard thing to do. I will say this about Dominique Robinson. I do feel like last week's game he at least showed more urgency in, in chasing the backside run, you know, as opposed to mm-hmm. staying stuck on blocks and just kind of looking around like he was doing for a while. We saw Dominique Robinson. When the play would go away, he would get into chase mode. He, he ran, he chased, he was a part of things with more urgency last week. Hopefully that's just a sign, an inkling, that maybe we're starting to see a corner that could be turned there. Just as a player who's just not a, accustomed to this level of, of sustained physical sort of durability that you have to have to make it through a full season as a defensive lineman in the National Football League because we're at the point now where his college football season would almost be over and he's about halfway through his rookie year in the NFL playing a position that he hadn't played a whole lot of and a a level of physical tax that's on his body that hadn't been for quite some time. So, I mean, I'm I'm hopeful about Dominique Robinson from what we saw last week, but – from a productivity perspective, they just, they don't have players.
2: Is that it, Pat? As simple as that? Yeah.
4: Yeah. One thing I see guys, just
5: looking at this roster, you know, why can't they get to the quarterback? Honestly, they're backups. Like I just, you know, the talent is just not there. And a lot of these guys on this defense, in my opinion, are playing for backup. Well, hopefully playing for backup roles (laughs) next year that they can upgrade this roster. And they just, they're not, you know, they're not game planners. And Anthony, when you were talking to Brian Finneran, you said, all right, they have Grady Jarrett, and who else do they have? I mean, that's 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 kind of what the Bears are right now. They just don't have a lot of talent over there. The guys that that aren't game plan guys that I've talked about or game wreckers or are just pure pass rushers. I just these guys, you know, you look at them and you look at their names and you look at other teams. I'd be like, that'd be a backup. That would be a backup. That would yeah. be a backup. And that's just where we are right now with this talent on this roster.
2: Yeah, the the front seven. You know, we talked about this before. There are two guys back from last year on their front seven. Everyone else is gone, and they had some very highly paid and highly thought of players. Um, I wouldn't be stunned. I, th- I think maybe there'll be three or four back. But, I mean, you're trying to figure out how many of those front seven will be back next year. I, I would imagine, you know, Dominique Robinson will. I don't-, I don't know if they're looking for a big upgrade at, at uh, the three technique. I would hope they are. And, you know, I I just think it's very difficult to pick who among this group would be back as a starter next year. And I would guess they're all backups, as you said, Patrick.
4: You remember a couple of years ago when Roy Robertson-Harris, before he became a full-time starter, but Roy Robertson-Harris was kind of that situational third down guy. Like this big frame and his his body had grown so much early in his NFL career. It's like, wow, look at this guy. Like this might be a high-level player. And then you saw the next year or two where he did have to become an every-down player, snap in and snap out. That takes a lot out of you, man. you you got to yeah. be a special guy to be able to perform at that level and, and be consistent at it every down in the NFL. And Some guys can do it, some guys can't. can't. So there, there's nothing – You know, it's not necessarily an insult to say, you know what, you're an NFL player. You're just not like a high-level every-down right. player. And that, to me, where Justin Jones may fit a mold like that. He's an effective pass rusher. He's really good at beating guys one-on-one. Armand Watts holds up good one-on-one right. against the run. Then as soon as there's a combo block, Armand Watts is out the club, man. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I think there's just spots that guys fit into that right now they're being tasked with doing more right. because of the roster construction than what they're capable of doing at a high level.
5: Yeah. yeah. And we've got to get a break shortly, but one player too is Travis Gibson. You know, I think yeah. a lot of people here in Chicago were excited to see him get more reps. Is he going to be in a pass rusher? Can he be, I, I never thought he could be an elite player, but be a, a, a quality starter. And I think right now you're not seeing the production enough production to answer that question and say, yeah, he's a quality starter. And that's, a, this is a player that, you know, he's getting the opportunity and to me he's not making the most of it so far this season.
2: Um, we, we do have to, to get uh, to a break. Cause we're going to bring in Grody and talk to mere bird, but I'm curious, <laughs> We haven't mentioned really or we haven't concentrated yet on Khalil Herbert going down. And, you know, listen, the central player in the running game is the quarterback because he's this special something that nobody else has. They're running the ball. This could be David Montgomery becoming more of a workhorse. I don't know what's going to happen, but, but, man, that is a big loss of Khalil Herbert. He went on the injured list with a hip injury which means he's going to miss a minimum of four games, which means a minimum of five weeks because the bye is in there. Um, That's rough. I mean, that's just rough to lose a guy, a young player like that, who has been such a great kind of change of pace guy.
4: And we'll see if maybe Treston Ebner, you know, he's got – Ebner's a guy that has good top-end speed. He doesn't seem to me to be a guy who gets to top gear with the the quickness with the immediacy right. that that we saw from Khalil Herbert but it'll be a nice opportunity I mean, when you know we, we've seen back in the preseason and even in a few times here in the regular season with Tristan Ebner when David Montgomery had to leave the lineup a little bit and Ebner got the ball in a couple of games said, okay there's there's something there he seems to have a little, little juice in his legs but this will be the most extended opportunity that he's had in the National Football League but You know, I mean, David Montgomery's the every down back. David Montgomery's the workhorse for the offense. So you certainly lose something with Khalil Herbert, both as a a ball carrier and as a kick returner. We've seen he's got some skills there also. But, you know, this this is an opportunity Uh, on a young roster with a lot of guys who maybe come off as being similar in their potential, similar in their skills and their physical abilities. Then when, when this door opens, now Treston Ebner has the chance to show himself as somebody. And I don't know. I wonder if it's going to be you're the number two running back. And because we have seen him return some kicks early in the season, do they keep that responsibility on his plate? Or – is this now where Valus Jones maybe gets his Cordero Patterson opportunity? Can you be the extension of the run game? We're gonna be indoors. It's not gonna be these swirling winds or inclement weather. You know, I don't know if they're gonna trust him to return a punt, because Pettis has been holding that down pretty well. But yeah, maybe this is a, a rebirth of the career of Velas Jones.
5: Pat? Yeah, just just finally, I just I hope David Montgomery gets the bulk of the carries. I want to see him be the true workhorse of the game. I don't want to see it split with Ebner and him. I want to see him get, you know. Three-quarters of the carries. I want to see him be the guy and see what kind of game he can put together.
2: That sounds great. All right, we've got Grody time. We'll bring in Mark Grody. We'll get his take on everything and the lineup changes, and they're surely they're going to have a different group of offensive linemen. It is a Sunday, for God's sake. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about it with Grody.
0: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
4: I mean, it's, it's really not nothing, you know, I need to fix. It's just like your work happens. You know what? You can get better at uh, every point of your game, even your strengths, um you know, you can get better at that as well, and um, not also, you know, just your weaknesses, so um, just overall, you know, um, you know, I would say the position I'm in, um, you know, control what you can control, and yeah, let's keep pushing it.
2: It's the pregame show on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score, we've got Anthony Heron, we've got Patrick Manley, and I'm Mully from the morning show and that was the voice of Valus Jones and Valis has been a scratch the last two games he has been a a healthy scratch and we know that he um, misplayed some punts early in the season he was brought in as a a kind of a gadget guy return specialist a very high pick third round pick for someone that does that Uh, but they Felt that he was going to give him something special. He's also 25 years old, so he's he played a lot of college football. He was in college for six years, and the idea was so he's he,
4: peaked at this point. Then Mully, no, I mean, what's, like what's the guy going to do after 25?
2: No, no, I, I, I mean, well, he's just older than
5: Justin Fields. So <laughs> yeah, maybe two years. Cut. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. It's not about
2: it's not about that. It's about you know you want guys 25 to 28 because you think that's prime years for football players right. and. They thought he was going to be able to impact, immediate impact. And he did if the account losing games and dropping
4: punts. Impact was more negative than they were hoping for. And so they
2: they sat him down for a couple of games. Now not only is, is he expected to play, but you mentioned it, he's expected to be the kickoff returner. And there has even been talk about him being used in the running game. I don't know that they're going to really go whole hog Cordero Patterson on him, but there's talk about him and it's not just the jet sweeps. The guy's got four, three speed. So is he potentially going to get some of these kind of gimmicky plays?
5: And I was thinking this, you know, that toss crap with toss crack with Braxton Jones pulling. (laughs) I mean, that's not a difficult play for him. That's like a punt return, right? You just toss him the ball. He's going to try to run off a butt and find a hole and, I think that's something you could do. You know, you line him up in the slot and motion him back to the backfield, and then all of a sudden you've got a to toss crack. I mean, that's a, that's a play you could do as a gadget play with him and use him as a running back and use his speed. I would not be surprised to see that. Um, I think it would kind of be a neat way to use him. Uh, as far as lining up, and, and I don't know his college career. Anthony, maybe you know more that he has lined up in the backfield and taken a handoff and, and kind of run a wide zone. I don't know if he's able to do that. But I think toss cracks, and like you said, the jet sweeps as well, Mully, are things that you should see more of him just to get the ball in his hands because with that speed he is very dynamic.
4: It is. Uh, I wonder how exactly they've gone about trying to trying to implement him in things beyond special teams. Has it been that we want him to truly learn the craft of playing wide receiver before now, and then they say, "Well, all right, he's just he's not." He's not necessarily retaining this. He's not consuming this as well as we would like. It's a very intricate sort of wide receiver uh, responsibility in this offense. And Valus just isn't really getting all the nuance of it. So maybe they taper a little bit of that back and, and focus on, you know just for, for lack of a better term, focus on the gadgets and the return game. I just wonder how they've gone about that. Because in the end, it, it certainly feels to me like it's for, for the available playmakers on this offense right now. I do think it's important for Vayles Jones to eventually have some role here by the end of the season. You know, I don't I, I don't I don't lose as much sleep over it some folks do just th- through the notion of, you know, like like, you know, we've all talked to Bernstein about it, I'm sure. Like, "Uh, eh, doesn't matter. Just let him let him do whatever. He can drop all the punts he wants." I'm I'm not I'm not there right. with it. But when the football is in the hands of Vayles Jones, there's only one other player on the Bears that moves as well as he does, that, that looks like he's a touchdown waiting to happen. It's the guy who's scoring all the touchdowns, the quarterback, Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Aside from Justin Fields, Bayless Jones is the only person that when I see him with the football, I'm like, you know what? He's, he's a razor-thin margin away from breaking one for a long distance. There's not a lot of that on this offense. Even adding Chase Claypool into the right. mix, we'll see what he develops into. But, but Bayless Jones gives you something. There's potential there for electricity that most of the other guys on this Bears offense don't embody. So I don't you know, it, it took a while even till like you were talking about earlier, Mully, it took a while before Cordero Patterson really developed into what he is now and he's still not a true running back he doesn't necessarily move like a true running back with that vision that initial elusiveness but he's just a very fast and tough individual and he's got that open field ability it's different right. when you're handing the football to him behind the offensive line he can make some plays but he's not he's not your true consummate like running back tailback type but he's had to develop even those skills over years here so I don't think we'll see Bayless Jones just a bunch Behind center, taking handoffs from Justin Fields yet, but is there is there some of that? Is there a role available to him in that regard where there's a couple of plays they do? We've already seen him get a jet sweep. We've seen him get screen passes, bubble screens, now routes, those types of things. So I'm, I, I am I'm very curious for the the weather conditions, the lack of weather concerns that'll be there in Atlanta today. It, it does feel like this is an opportunity for a Velas Jones revival of sorts. He, he,
2: the Bears have um, – they have struggled outside the running game in part, and we've talked about it because – and I I don't – I want to be careful about it because I don't think every ball that's been dropped has been kind of in time, on time. You know, some have been behind guys. Some There have right. there've been tons of drops. Uh, don't get me wrong, but – it it has also been a factor of, you know, limited sort of uh, catch radius and the ball is in a spot where a guy can't go and get it. But what this guy has is down the down the field speed. Like, if you line him up and just send him deep, I'm not saying he's going to catch the ball if you throw it to him. But, but <laughs> surely say that, that. <laughs> that is a th- – no, I would never be so foolish. But uh, – but, uh, but surely that is something teams would have to be afraid of, right? Just a, a guy that can fly down the field and look like he's uh, he's going to make a big play and that could just for a second, quarter of a second, open up something for someone else if nothing else. So I, I'm not saying just decoy, but, I mean, decoy is not a bad idea if, if you got that kind of speed.
4: And you hope he learns, yeah. you know, from other mistakes yeah. that have been made. Yeah. We, we've seen him. We obviously saw him drop a deep ball. Earlier, earlier in the season, the last game he was active for, and you know, like folks are, are tweeting out right now, Stud just alerted it to us, uh, alerted us to it in the chat. Bayless Jones is active for the game. Kevin yep. Fishbane, Patrick Finley, we see the guys out there, you know, tweeting that out. So we're going to see him on the field. Last time we saw him on the field, there was a big drop. There, there was a big drop on a deep pass. You know, he threw a go route, or Justin Fields threw him a go route. He didn't come up with the grab. There was a couple of different, very specific coaching points that I feel like, you know, Valus Jones, when a coach evaluates that on film and his offensive coordinator, his wide receiver coach, say, here's how you could have improved that. You didn't need to dive. You could have just continued with your blazing speed to run through that football, reach out, pluck it, and then continue your path towards the end zone. Bayless Jones. Those are things that you have specific things within the route itself and within the finish of the route, the tracking of the ball in flight and the confidence to just continue running through the reception of the pass, continuing your path toward the end zone. There's coaching points in that that can help the development of a still a young at 25 years old, but a, a rookie wide. Maybe I won't call Velas Jones young. Get a rookie and inexperienced <laughs> wide receiver that, you know, I, th- I think there is still a chance for development there. And it looks like today we'll get the opportunity to see what, what that potential devel- development of Velas Jones looks like now in, in practice in a game.
2: Pat, you sound more skeptical.
5: But, yeah, I do. Just, you know, they talked earlier, too, about does he know where to line up? You know, as far as practice, yeah, okay, it's effort and all that kind of stuff, but are you doing the right thing? And this offense with with Luke Getze talking about these wide receiver positions are are difficult to learn. Is he learning that? Is he knowing where to line up? Is he going to, you know, cause a penalty, anything like that? Do you trust him to be out there to be able to execute the offense? Yeah, that talent's there. That speed's there. We've seen it. When he gets the ball in his hands, we saw it in the preseason a couple times, on returns or whenever he gets the ball in his hand, he's dynamic. But is he going to line up and do the right thing? I think that's the biggest question now. And we'll find out today if they put him out there enough and that means they have trust him. Maybe he's learned a little bit more and become a better practice player and more of a pro. And uh, today will be a good opportunity for him, hopefully, if he gets out there.
2: I I mean, I'm not picking on him, and I don't know this to be a factor, but I'm just curious. If you've been with the team, and I know he missed some time in training camp, but if you've been there since you were drafted – Shouldn't you have kind of memorized the playbook? Shouldn't you know? And, and believe me, I've talked to a lot of guys over the years, and I understand that there there is there is a different ability to articulate among different players. And I understand talking to coaches that some guys have a much more difficult time learning what they're doing than other guys. And I'm not I, I'm not saying that that's the case with him. I'm just wondering. And you you certainly had teammates. That, that couldn't pick up on something or couldn't figure something out. So, so I can't help but wonder if there was another thing going on here where he just can't kind of if, – if you don't know what you're doing, shouldn't you at this point – I mean, we're well into the season. Shouldn't you have gotten some tutoring about that? Someone have taught you that? And shouldn't you be further along, I guess, is what I'm asking.
4: Well, I think it's a combination of, of multiple elements of it, though, and, and we certainly don't know with 100% certainty what it's been with Valus. Is it a, a lack of understanding of the playbook? Is it, yeah, I know what side of the field to line up to, or I know I'm supposed to be the slot or the X, but maybe I'm my alignment, because Luke Getzi is so specific with the details of it, maybe I'm a half yard off here or there. Or maybe he knows exactly where to line up, but they're asking him to block, just like they asked Darnell Mooney and everybody yeah. to block, too, and he's just an awful blocker, perhaps. Or maybe yeah. he does all those things well, but he doesn't catch the ball cleanly, like we've seen him right. put it on the right. put it on the ground as a punt returner and have a big drop on the deep pass from Justin Fields. There are a lot of different factors that could factor into why Bayless Jones hasn't been a big part of the offense yet, but you know, all the requisite effort could be getting put into it while still the implementation, the execution of it could be off, but... You get better at playing football by playing football. And he has been working at it in theory. You know, let's assume he's been working at it every day since then. That's what everybody, right. special teams coach, offensive coordinator, they talk about how hard he's working to get better at those things. Now he's going to get a chance to show it on a game day.
2: Pat, you've seen that, though. You've seen guys varying degrees of understanding of things, right? Am I being too Far, harsh on no, this?
5: Yeah, no doubt about it. And there's just some guys got it and some guys don't. And you feel bad for the guys that don't have it. You know, athletically, you're like, man, you are gifted. But you put a playbook, you put some difficult look in front of them, uh, you put a difficult situation, they just they, they go haywire. They, the brain fries and you yeah, just can't, they right. can't get it done. They literally just go haywire and you're like, man, only
4: if you could put – That guy looked great at practice. Wow, yes. is he a great practice player. <laughs> then you get into a yes. game and your eggs get scrambled.
2: <laughs> yep. All right, yep. uh, we got Grody. He's going to join us and we will uh, – Find out if Demir Bird is going to have a big game. We'll do that <laughs> next. I, I, I can't help it. <laughs> Olin, I hope he's listening. If we can go after Grodio I think on, he might on, be. I think uh, he might be. He was texting <laughs> me earlier. Okay. <laughs> and it's the free game show. Uh, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the
3: score. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Herron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today.
2: Oh. Yes, indeed, it is the pregame show. We've got a special treat. We've got a special man. It is time for Mark Grody and Mark Grody joins us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the
3: world's largest sports book. Grody time. Hey Mark, how are you, buddy? Gentlemen, it is uh, great to be on with you guys and I was just looking through the the inactives. I know you guys have touched on it a little bit, but here's the official list of guys not playing today. Alex Leatherwood, the offensive lineman, out today. Same with Nikhil Harry. We knew about that because of his illness. Jatari uh, Carter, the rookie offensive lineman, and then three DBs: Justin Lane, Lamar Jackson, and Dane Crookshank, all out. And that part is encouraging because that does mean that not only is Jalen Johnson playing, which we knew was you know something that was in consideration throughout the week with the hip injury and all of that. Kendall Vildor will will presumably be starting at cornerback again today, Um, and that is promising for the Bears as well to get that thing sturdy in the secondary again, hopefully. It also means that, and this is the part that I heard you guys uh, talking about a little bit, that Valus Jones Jr. is active today. I'm curious, just like you guys, to see how they utilize him on offense and if he will be the guy at least um, taking touchbacks for the kickoff like he did the last time. He was in there, you know, to quote-unquote return kickoffs, which drove me crazy because the Bears were down 20 and they weren't letting him return. So I actually would love, love to see Valus Jones Jr. get his hands on a kickoff and again see what he can do in, in that regard. So I think that that's interesting. Kevin Jenkins is active today as well, which is very good. He's also been dealing with a hip injury which, of course, could very well affect his back, which was the big deal last year. But it looks like there will be the, the same offensive line again. And, the you know, the part that has become interesting with the offensive line is the fact that Larry Borum continues to take the seat for the veteran Riley Leaf.
5: Does Taco yeah, Charles- hey, You've talked about... Go ahead, Pat. Go ahead. Go ahead, Molly. I want I'm to know about gonna, Tacos.
2: Yeah, I just want to know if Taco Charlton is on the active roster, Mark. Didn't they just yeah. sign him? So he could play, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the, the Taco could get into the rotation for sure. I don't know what the thought process is from number one, Allen Williams, and the number two, I guess the real information, the real progress would come from the defensive line coach, Travis Smith, on that. But I think that the Bears are in a position, especially on defense. I mean, we talk about – hey, why not kind of stuff on offense? Why not throw Bayless Jones Jr.? Why not let these guys develop? Why not Braxton Jones? So I think we can say the same thing for anybody on defense. Why not Taco? Why not give him a shot? See what he can do out there um, because that's the state of mind that this Bears team is in, not just on the offensive side, but on the defensive side. And we don't have to look so deeply to know the trouble that the Bears defense has been in. So I'd like to see it. I'd like to see what that looks like and see what the rotation on the defensive line might look like in this game. And if, they're, if they do anything differently, because we, we have justifiably praised the Bears offense for, or the coaches specifically for adjusting and doing things pretty drastically different than they had done in the first, uh, you know, five games of the season before the post-Washington game, let's see what the defense does. And I know that it's it's different because you're not playing with the same type of cards, and you're reacting more to what the opposition is doing. But you know, th- this is not something. Even though they understand the Bears' coaches that this defense is not talented, they've got to do something to keep themselves from embarrassing themselves and you know allowing forty points a game.
5: It can't be any worse, can it, that pass rush? <laughs> <laughs> all I can do is help, I guess. Hey, i, I got to switch that's it over to really the in. offense really and Khalil.
4: Yep.
5: Yeah, it's true. But let's talk about Khalil, the loss of Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery. We were talking earlier. I would like to see him get the bulk of the carries. I'd not, I don't want to see Treston Ebner kind of take Khalil Herbert's amount of carries and then take away from David Montgomery. Any word of how that's going to work, or what do you foresee today?
3: Yeah, I don't think that you're going to see a ton of, of Treston. I mean, you're going to see Treston Ebner for sure, but I promise you that David Montgomery, assuming he feels good and he's 100% and there's nothing going on with him, you're going to see him get the bulk of the carries. You're going to see him as the guy who gets the passes out of the backfield. It's not going to be Treston Ebner. Um, David Montgomery is just so much more familiar with the blocking schemes, with, with everything that is associated with being a professional running back. I like Treston Ebner a lot and I think that he could be a guy that is around for a while on this team but he's not ready for, you know, 100% or he's not he's not going to be as effective playing 100% of the playbook as David Montgomery is. So, yeah, you're you're going to get you're going to get a dose of Treston Ebner and he is competent but this this will be David Montgomery's show today. Uh,
4: are you in a position for any live play-by-play of either Cairo Santos uh, attempting place kicks or Valus Jones fielding uh, punts <laughs> or kicks?
3: Unfortunately, Big Ant, I am not. Um, okay. I have spent the I have spent the week being sick this week, so they didn't want me in Atlanta. So, <laughs> so gotcha. I, I I have not seen what Cairo Santos has done, but I I, I have a feeling that if there was a week for a, uh, a response game for Cairo Santos, assuming that he's been put in the position that he's going to be fine, especially since he's in a more of a controlled environment where he is there. Not that he, I mean, let's face it, like he, he has been really good in dealing with the elements at Soldier Field. There was some technical breakdowns, as you know, Patrick, on mm-hmm. special teams last week, and that, that didn't all rely on Cairo Santos, but, I think that he's going to be fine this week. Every time that he is missed or something bad has happened for Cairo, he comes back really strong, which I guess is the key for any any uh, kicker's lifespan in the NFL. Hmm.
2: But, yeah, I, I I know I'm harping on this, but is Al Kadine Muhammad back? I, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out. So so that's interesting that that you know they didn't feel like they needed another corner or help. In reserve on special teams with Lane, who they who they um, wa- waiver claimed earlier in the right. week, but they did have Charlton up and running. And, I, and again, I don't even know who we're going to see or what we're going to do. But I, I just wonder about that, just roster decisions, because they do have another running back they brought up from the practice squad, right? That is active for the game. If I'm just looking at the numbers.
3: Yeah, they do. They they brought up an extra running back, and that's something that they had had planned to do throughout the week. Um, so that's available to them as far as I don't know that he's going to get any actual runs, right. but he could see some special teams time. And, yeah, you mentioned uh, Justin Lane, the DB, Molly, and he is um, He is inactive Active, yeah. today. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to see. And, and then, like I said, I, I, I don't know that it's a slam dunk that Bayless Jones Jr. is returning kickoffs for the Bears in this game, but without, as you mentioned, Khalil Herbert playing in this game, then, you know, it's it's, it's a possibility. We'll see what they decide to do. Or could they – or could Tristan Ebner be doubling up because he's returned mm-hmm. some kickoffs this year for the Bears as well. Wasn't particularly effective at it, but he is competent at it. So that's something to watch for sure.
5: All right. Big talk this week about Jalen Johnson and his health. He wasn't on the injury report all week. How healthy is he? Is he 100%? I mean, what, what do we expect today?
3: Uh, Man, I mean, just just from watching him on Mm -hmm. the sidelines last week against Detroit and him constantly, constantly working with the, the elastic rubber band workout bands on the sideline, like the whole time he was on the sideline, I would just see him furiously be trying to get himself in shape or to a point where he felt comfortable. So... And, and I know he said he felt fine this week and, and all of that, but it's hard for me to believe just being an eyewitness to, yeah. you know, close-up eyewitness to everything that he was trying to do to keep himself healthy or pain-free or whatever he was trying to do in terms of maneuvering his body. Um, I long way of saying, no, I, I don't see how he could be 100%. Maybe better than he was last week, but 100% mm-hmm. probably not.
2: If he plays, he's held accountable. Damn it!
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, he's held accountable, and somebody's got to guard Demir Bird. You know, I mean, there <laughs> oh, we go. <laughs> ah, there it is.
2: The dirty Everybody's bird was covered.
3: coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Demir Bird is out there, folks. I mean, look, guys. I was studying the Demir, the, the Demir Bird season. He's had games of seventy-five yards, sixty-seven yards, and fifty-eight yards. So. You know, let's not sleep on Demir Bird. He's been targeted, in he's been targeted in every game except for one. There's only one game this year he wasn't targeted. Come on.
5: So you he's haven't gonna go off today just <laughs> because Grody brought him up.
3: <laughs> he's probably
4: go you go off. transitioned over to Byron Pringle. He could be your your new Demir Bird here Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> They're high hopes for someone we haven't seen much of. Yeah. yeah
3: he's no – the Byron Pringle is no Demir Bird, please. That's, ah, okay. uh, yes, please. Yeah. Silly talk. Um, yeah, yeah that, that is ridiculous. That the, is ridiculous.
4: The Bears quarterback, though, Justin Fields, he he has been flying high here as of late. I'm wondering where you where you stand on the, the notion of of the volume of passes that Justin Fields, that the Bears quarterback has gotten here. Because there's there's a lot of talk about, you know, maybe the potential for the Bears – just dropping back and letting him throw the football with more frequency, with more volume than we've seen up to this point.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, at, at this point, Patrick, I think that's the, the obvious thing because it's, it would be the next logical step in the progression of Justin Fields. He, he's been spectacular over like since the, the Washington game, in the games against New England, Dallas, Miami, Detroit. He's been spectacular in those games. And if that's what Justin Fields is, then fine. You work with that because that's a weapon. But the next step would be to make him dangerous as a passer, which the, the evidence exists to suggest that he could be a really good passing quarterback to go along with a really good running quarterback. So, you know, we'll see if they do start to, to add – that element a little bit more. One thing about Luke Getzey is, and I think this is a, to to compliment him, is that he doesn't try to force things. He doesn't try to put his quarterback in a position where things are not going to work. So if it ain't there, if it's not there, if they're daring Justin Fields to run, then go with it. Go with it. So I, I don't know that we should, like, it's easy to look at Atlanta and say, oh, Atlanta sucks and they got a bad defense. Throw the hell out of the ball. But... You know, this is Atlanta knows that that possibility exists. And so I want to see it. I think everybody wants to see it. But there's no reason to, to push it too far ahead. And Molly, too, by the way, I was having a brain cramp earlier when you were asking about the the Bears – uh, running back that they just brought up, it's right. Darrington Evans. It just came oh, to my foggy right. right. brain. He's go. the guy that was activated Darrington the... Evans. Yeah, who, who is <laughs>
2: right? Yeah, we'll Google him yeah, real yeah, quick yeah. then. Uh- <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And if I, all and right, if I, Mark.
3: I have to say one thing to you guys before we leave. This goes to Mully and Anthony Heron. Like I said, I've been down all week, so I've listened a lot to the score. I had the biggest laugh. At about, I think it was a Friday, about five fifty, with Molly and Aunt Harren filling in on the afternoon show, and somebody calls in and says, suggests that Justin, hey, when are they going to just sit Justin for the rest of the season, put him on mothballs? And your guys's reaction was just, just. Precious and I, perfect. I think thank
4: the you, caller man. was it. Tyler was the Tyler, caller. Maybe Joliet. That's oh our guy. man! I
3: mean, I don't think I've ever seen Big Ant laugh <laughs> oh, yeah. that hard. At Molly he heard his oblique. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. That's yeah. what I heard. So thank you for entertaining me. I needed
2: that. Oh, bless you, Mark. Uh, you're you're a great man. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it.
3: Uh, take care guys. Bye-bye. That
2: is uh, Mark Grody. That's very, very funny stuff. (laughs) That was crazy, but we got to get back to the quarterback. We got to talk about what we're expecting from him. And, you know, I mean, I know that we might not all be on the bandwagon, but, but the volume of passes is extremely low. It's the lowest in the NFL. Um, What does that change when you lose a member of the running game? We'll discuss it next. And the answer is no, but we do stand breathless on the clean edge of change.